Hello, everyone. I'm Michael Grant from PropTech Ramble. Yesterday, I had the pleasure of speaking to Colin Stewart, uh, the CEO and founder of Baker Stewart, uh, a workplace consultancy business here in the UK that they, that work globally uh, with lots of big customers uh, around the world. Uh, yesterday, we talked about uh, prop tech and technology. And as we're coming out of lockdown and going back to the office, uh, we've always been back at work, but whether it's working from home or anywhere else that we've chosen to work from, Colin and I covered a lot of questions uh, and answered a lot of questions about back to the office and what prop tech means for Colin and people in his business and, and how it's going to affect the workplace you know, now and in the future. So please listen, uh, enjoy the show. As we go back to the office now, I mean, we were talking just before coming on air, Colin, that you guys are busier than you have been for a long time. Everyone, everyone was really busy before COVID, then COVID hit and we all kind of stopped yeah. and slowed down. But as you were saying, you're hiring new people, you know, kind of weekly at the moment to keep up with what you're doing. A, a lot of what you used to do manually can now be done with 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 sensors and data and information. And, and I have to say, from when we first met, you were probably the first person that came to us and said, sensors are going to do what we've done manually for years. So I need to get with it, move with it, or else we'll be left behind. So you know, your, what you said earlier about coming into this space and caring and being passionate about it, I, I, that's very true because of, you know, what we see and the, the customers we work with. But I think more than ever, and, and this is something we were talking about the other day, everyone talks about data as the new oil, but and I'm going to steal something you said to me the other day, Colin. So uh, oil is no good unless it's refined. Data is the same, right? You can't, data, data for data's sake is meaningless and yeah. you know, don't, doesn't mean anything to anyone. So put sensors in, use a platform, but you still need smart people to help people work through that data and, and turn it into valuable pieces of insight. So I think that's what we're going to talk about today. We, we have already had some questions come through, uh, and one of them came through prior to this. We always ask people to, to, bring, to try and send questions through. So one of the questions that's come through, I'm just going to read this out, is from a... Uh, someone called Rowley Megs, who, or Rowley Mags, sorry, not Megs, Rowley Mags. What is the one thing to enhance, adapt, change, or change to deliver improved revenue metrics in a work environment? So as we start to talk about data, kind of that's that's the first question that's come out that came in the other day. Yeah, um, it's probably not one thing. Um, well, the key thing to change is productivity. Um, there's a temptation, especially with the post-COVID scenarios of reduced utilisation, we're likely to see to focus on real estate cost. But considering your real estate cost is typically for an organisation around 10%, your staff costs are 80, 90% of yeah. you know, a lot of businesses. It's a sort of almost a 10 to 1 multiplier between staff cost to real estate cost. So focusing on how you can make your people more productive and how you can make your workspace work better for your people. So, you know, it's, a, it's about space. Uh, it's about choice. Um, there's, there's a lot of interesting metrics around if you give staff choice over artwork, over where they work, all of that, productivity goes through the roof. Um, space obviously has an impact in terms of creating the right space. Uh, what we're predicting or seeing is a massive shift from desk-based workstations to much more collaborative-based workstations. Uh, that's, a, sorry, workplaces. So uh, yeah, going forward with businesses that are going to adopt a lot more 
flexible working practice is going to allow people potentially to work from home more often. Uh, I think most businesses are. You know, there's a few exceptions, like the announcement from Goldman Sachs, which I think is a bit of a retrograde step personally, but, you know, it's their business. It was, uh, it was an interesting comment, that one. Yes. <laughs> um, we are seeing, I am, in fairness, I am seeing a bit of a shift back towards wanting people back in the office as things are, you know, but people have been working, a lot of people have been working quite productively at home, or very productively. So actually, I think this whole idea of the hybrid solution, a mix of, you know, working from home, working in local hubs, working in the office, um, that will enhance productivity, that will give people choice. Spaces in the office that are much more around collaboration, getting people to integrate, um, breaking down silos, that will enhance productivity. Um, all of that as well will, you know, businesses that adopt uh, these sort of practices, you'll probably see an improvement in staff attraction, but more importantly, hopefully, uh, a drop in staff uh, attrition, so improvements in staff retention levels. And that can have a massive impact on your bottom line. If you think about your average organisation loses 10% of their staff every year, and there was a PricewaterhouseCoopers survey, and we did some research ourselves on it, and typically the cost of a member of staff leaving is one to two times their annual salary. So you think about that's 10 to 20 percent of your staff costs walk out the door every year. What impact would that have to your bottom line if you reduce that? And you do that by allowing choice, by by embracing the brave new world post-COVID way of working that everyone's talking about. But to be honest, as I said, I've been doing this for 20 years. It isn't. It's just taking forward the stuff that we've been talking about for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. doing it now. <laughs> it's removed a lot of the barriers, actually. It's made my job a lot easier, to be honest. Um, but the final point, actually, comes more to the, the data side. Things like CO2, as you well know, Michael, have a massive impact on productivity. And that's where PropTech can come in. PropTech helping with the choice, the user experience, but also PropTech in terms of the sensors, allowing choice of space, and you know, sensors around air quality, things like that, having a massive impact on having smart buildings that respond to the users uh, and improve their productivity. Yeah, CO two is a bigger one than people think. Everyone used to be used to remember they were tired in meter rooms. They didn't know why, but COVID's made us all indoor air quality experts. And a thousand parts per million of CO two is the equivalent of having two pints of beer. I'd rather have two pints of beer physically than be feeling the effects of co2 so yeah you don't have the happy side effects yeah <laughs> <laughs> we've got uh well th there is a point that I, I i wrote down on this so so there is uh i did some research because uh rowley sent uh the question in the other uh, quite a few days ago the uh, organizations with the highly engaged productive employees had an average three-year revenue growth 2.3 times higher than companies whose employees were only engaged uh, on an on an average level now that's that's from uh, the kenneth lager business school that that's that's big right yeah. we yeah. we 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 we've all become indoor air quality experts because of covid francesca brady the ceo of Everated, who we work with she's always talking about indoor air quality and and always brings up co2 and and the effects on people so it, it has a bigger effect than people think so yeah. oh, it's massive yeah, we've got I another mean, question. Sorry, yeah. we've, no, we've got to say, the one word answer I think really is you know, it, it's about giving using prop tech to give people the choice to yeah. inform decisions on CO2 levels, inform decisions on where to go, which are the busy floors. That's how we're going to get improvements in revenue.
So another question that's come in is, how has the data that you gather to inform decision-making processes been influenced by PropTech in the last 10 years? Oh, yes, um, hugely. 10 years ago, well, 20 years ago, we were doing it on spreadsheets, uh, you know, manual, pieces of paper, obviously place plans on a clipboard with a load of highlighter pens. Um, you know, there was prop tech was starting to come in. We, you know, there was some good, uh, you know, for, for utilization data, we used to capture it by going around with tablets. We've been doing that for about the last eight or nine years. But lately, you know, sensors are so much more cost effective. Um, you might not get the same um, depth of data that you get from walking around and observing, um, but you certainly get a much longer period of real-time data. You can really see the trends. Um, and also, you know, the last 10 years, there's been a lot more benchmark data available um, you know, for various things on office cost, office satisfaction surveys, um, and obviously the utilization data, which allows you to make a lot more informed decisions. Um, also, I think the PropTech solutions have got a lot better. Uh, I think people are a lot less cynical about it. Um, you know, we're see actually seeing solutions that work, solutions, you know, good um, solutions that focus on the user experience. That's the key for me. Everything should be designed around the customer experience. And for our customers, most of our customers are obviously the building users. And I think from a from our side, what what we see, and, and when we're talking to people, there are you know the, the statement that came out, the article that I sent on to you the other day uh, about HSBC saying a thirty percent reduction, Lloyd's twenty, Barclays nothing, and then Goldman Sachs with their wonderful abomination statement. Lots of people are going to need a lot of data quickly to make informed decisions. Like you know, I've got a ten-story building, ten thousand square feet of floor. I've got to reduce by 30%. If, if you have, and, and this is kind of a question for me that's not up here, Colin, but it's, it's something that, that, that's come into my, my brain is if you have different buildings, different shapes, different sizes yeah. and different amounts of people in them and you say, I'm going to cut 30% across the board, you can't just necessarily say to everyone, right, we're cutting 30% across the board everywhere because that doesn't work for buildings. Yeah. So how do you go about, how do you go about helping people with that? Yeah, it, it's it's the qualitative data. Uh, the quantitative data from the sensors give you the opportunities, uh, and you know from other sources, that that's really important. But you need to interpret it. You need to see it through the lens of the impact on the business. So obviously you've got your lease data, you've got that sort of thing when you're developing a real estate strategy. But it's trying to understand the activities that people are performing, where they're going to perform them to, what what workspaces they need where. So it's almost like it gives us. An opportunity to almost start again. Uh, what I'd suggest to clients is that they forget that they've got any property and we start from the bottom up, build a theoretical blueprint model for what's, how they want to work, what sort of workspaces they need to support that, where they need to be, and what the mix is between offices, between local hubs, home, client sites, wherever, um, and then overlay it on your current property portfolio and see how it shakes out. Um, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, given, given we're in a, an, in a new world post-COVID, that probably makes more sense than it ever has done well, before. The one so. thing I say to my clients when they ask me what's the future is the one thing that is certain is the future is uncertain. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we, need data, we need data to base decisions on, but to be honest, until we get post 
June, July, until the vaccines start to allow us to come back en masse. Uh, and we see what the reality is for a lot of businesses in terms of how much people actually want to be in the office versus home working, work, other remote working. We won't really know. So we can use these surveys. We can use benchmark data. We, we have a we use a survey called People Look that's um, yes. a well-being surveys. You, you know well, and that's giving us some really interesting data around future working patterns and people's desires. But actually, that's still subjective. Until we actually get to this future, I was about to use the phrase "new normal." <laughs> that is being done today the future <laughs> the steady state whatever yeah. we might call it until we get to that point we don't really know but we've got to get as much data as we can to base decisions um as best we can evidence-based design is something i always trumpet is a sort of mantra of mine and we've got another question here ha have you seen a marked acceleration in the number of solutions available as a result of covid now I, we have, but I, I imagine you have as well. You know, there's people trying to flog new solutions yeah. to you every day. But have you? What, what have you seen? Well, thankfully, they're getting a lot more sophisticated than lots of perspex screens or the worst I saw, which was a cardboard box you could put your head in. That was fantastic. You know, what what an innovation! They painted it white, mind you. Um, it sort of made me question if you're really having to go to that length. Why are you in the office in the first place? Um, no, uh, it's. It's done two things. It's made clients, I think because the because the of the uncertainty, clients are much more open to the idea of investing in you know, prop tech to deliver the data they need. Uh, and also the prop tech industry has realized it's a big opportunity that effectively we're going to have a step change in our relationship to the office. And things are going to be much more uncertain, things are going to be much more dynamic, much more variable, and without some sort of prop tech solutions to deliver that data that we need and to deliver a user experience in a much more variable, dynamic workplace. Um, you know, we, we need all of that, really. Yeah. I, 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 there, prop tech has seen that it's a, it's a big new space, right? There's a new prop tech company comes into the market almost every month at the moment. Yeah. Oh, the amount of emails I'm getting with people promising to, you know, um, solve everything for me. <laughs> the silver bullet. Yeah. There is there is no silver bullet though. Uh, so there's there's another question uh, that came in uh, prior to this. Uh, I, I'm, thank you everyone who sent questions in. It's really good to get them prior to, so we can do a little bit of reading and put a little bit of brain power behind them as well. Uh, have you seen significant uptake in the number of clients who want to use prop tech solutions post COVID, both to gather data and as long term solutions? Absolutely. It's we've, we've had several clients in the past who have been very interested. Uh, we've had a number where we've done trials on various prop tech solutions and there's been some very interesting case studies out there. But it, it, it's almost, you know, it, it, it's just accelerated so much. Um, the amount of interest, the conversations we're having, you know, our conversations are obviously mainly around the future workspace and what clients yes. might need going forward. However, they always turn to potentially prop tech solutions now, whereas before now, they probably would get shut down. Oh, I don't, I, I haven't got the money to invest in that. Oh, that's not for us. Now it's, oh, really? Okay. Clients are recognizing, I said earlier, that things are going to be much more variable, that things are going to be much more dynamic. Um, the old, cookie cutter approach to workplace design just doesn't work anymore. 
Um, you know, I've never been a fan of that anyway. You know, every organization is unique. However, it fundamentally won't work going forward. No, I think as well that the longer term solution, and this is not a short term thing, because if you try and take it as a short term piece, it's hard to drive ROI for a customer within three to six months, although you can do it sometimes. We've done it for a customer before. But if you look at the long term solution and say long term, we're not talking 15 years, but two, Mm. three, four, five years. The ROI, and, and we've built a calculator because of this, because the ROI is so great, three to five years, if you can put 30% more people onto a floor or into a building, yep. given the cost of office space, yep. and you can close a building down, that, that the ROI is, is, is off the charts. I mean, the, yep. the cost of the software, mm-hmm. the services, the installation, the platform, if you amortize that over three years, or you, mm-hmm. you know, draw that cost out over three, three to five years, there, there is no better ROI, I don't think. Well, I, w- I would challenge you on that. There probably is no easier ROI. Uh, easier back, ROI. Back yeah. to what I said earlier about it being about choice and productivity. The, 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 uh, the ROI on real estate reductions pays for the sensors easily, but actually the gains, where the gold is buried, is in the productivity improvements. That's where yeah. you really make the yeah. gains. And that's like the cream on top, massive amounts of cream on top. Well, so it's all, yeah. build the ROI based on the real estate savings by, um, but I think as I say, it's a lot more measuring your attrition levels, measuring all of that and seeing how your investment in prop tech has changed your productivity, has changed your people's morale, has improved their experience. Well, people, then the businesses have to do something about it, which is what yeah. we hope everyone does because getting the ROI is easy, as you say. Yeah. Uh, it's doing something about it with those ROI savings is investing it back into space and making spaces better. We, we've been talking to, to quite a few people, uh, obviously, about going back to the office. Mm. People are talking about changing their office spaces you know, and not just being desks, desks upon desks in a few meeting rooms. Collaboration spaces. I imagine you're hearing a lot about collaboration spaces. We, 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 we hear a lot of people now saying, and we get asked, but measure my my meeting rooms and everything else. So, so you overlay indoor air quality mm-hmm. on top of this, and you talk about productivity and the occupancy and capacity, and you've got a very powerful yeah. solution. So people, just because you change a space doesn't mean it's going to work. So you have to measure the the collaboration spaces. So in front of me is a whiteboard. You want to know how many, how much time people spend at the whiteboard as opposed to sitting at the desks and the chairs that I'm sitting at yeah. now. So you, you have, you you do have to go further than just reducing your. Yes, yeah. I've reduced my office, you know, my office number by thirty percent. But you're not getting rid of thirty yeah. percent of your team. Well, you want to make them more productive, and you want them to feel yeah. better when they come to the office well, for two, three days a week. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, the until now, a lot of the default prop tech solution for office utilization was under desk sensors. Now, you know, I'm not a big fan of those because they give a very um, linear, very, um, very flat data set. Uh, It's all about qualitative and quantitative data and also getting much broader data set with an office that is going to shift away from task based work settings, desks to much more collaborative and also social. What we're actually hearing from a lot of staff, we're we're, we're challenging uh, through workshops we're running, we're challenging uh, people to to ask what what the what is the office actually for now? You know, is it somewhere you're going to go and sit and tap away at a computer? Yes, for some it is. We must always remember that there is a percentage of people 
whether it be personality or whether it be their home circumstances, often the younger members of staff who maybe are living in a bed sit or a shared house, who haven't got the luxury that we have, like I have at the moment, I'm sat at home, uh, to work from home. So we've always got to accommodate that. But for those other staff, the office has got to work so much harder to attract people in. We do want people to still come in. We do want people to still collaborate. But we can use the data to understand what spaces people really want. So the workspace becomes a much more fluid and dynamic thing with us adapting to people's needs. Yep. That's the key. Yeah. I am one of those people that need to come in. When my children are on holidays and we have three and my wife is at home, I basically just get kicked out. So I am, not, I am someone who needs to come to the office. Uh, so another question is, how do you integrate, and you've already kind of answered this in, in, in our ramblings, Colin, how do you integrate quantitative and qualitative data into your recommendations? Um, well, obviously, quantitative data gives you the hard facts. Um, it's hard to argue with quantitative data. Uh, and that's why we always, I've always been a big fan of utilisation surveys, which are a bit irrelevant at the moment. But I think we'll come back big time uh, once things go to some sort of steady state. And, um, but data, that's just data. Uh, for me, we talked about it earlier. It's the interpretation. It's refining the data. The so what. And the problem is quantitative data gives you the facts. Qualitative data, interviews, online surveys, opinions, you know, as I mentioned, our, the people look survey we use, gives us such a rich data set that allows us to interpret the other data through a lens of reality, I suppose, to actually to, to gain insight and actually get recommendations on what the constituent parts of the new workspace should be, how people, more fundamentally, how they should be working as a business. What is their model for how, where they want to work, how they want to work, when they want to work, and what does that mean in terms of the workspaces they then need? I, I think your people look survey will be more, it's, it's always been very useful. I think it'll be used more than it ever has over the next 18 months, two years. Well, we're seeing at the moment when we've not been able to gather so much quantitative data, we're having to use the activity questions we have in there to really predict the balance of activity between home and the, you know, the office, the workspace, to give some sort of indication for what people want in the office, how they want to work and what facilities they then need, what types of workspace. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what people come back with, because I imagine... Some buildings haven't been, you know, refurbished for quite a long time. Some of the big finance institutions do them every few years. Uh, you know, some of the, the tech companies do them a lot and they change with the times. It'll be interesting to see what some of the, the slower moving companies do mm -hmm. with, with their layouts because that, that is then the feedback you need. Because if you just go back to the office that's the same old, same old, yes, it would be great to go back to the office to socialise with people, go to a pub when they open on April the 12th. Uh, and do other things but if you mm. go being at home and then having a change of scenery will be great for a while but if you're going back to the same old office after a certain period of time that is stuffy that is overcrowded yeah. or doesn't have what you need or or it's the place you decide you don't want to be again people will vote with their feet i think Absolutely. so people people are going to have to change aren't they businesses are going to have to change those that don't you're right will be left behind um, we've been running surveys ever since the start of lockdown, first lockdown, way back in March. We worked for two major uh, corporates who had call centres. They were um, essential service providers uh, yes. and we had call centres we had to keep open. So we've been surveying their staff and doing a lot with them to keep, you know, back before social distancing rules were really in place. We had to in invent 
the social distancing rules for them. Luckily, we got it right. Um, but what we're seeing is around 90% uh, of staff would be unhappy or very unhappy to go back to how it was pre-COVID. And that's a uh, massive amount of people. That's, that's big. That's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? Yes. That's an interesting dynamic. Wow, that's quite powerful. That's a big number. That's yeah. a very, that's, a, that's bigger than I thought. That's, that's, of disgruntled staff, your staff disgruntled because you've gone, you haven't done anything. Yeah, that's a big, that's a bigger number than I thought it would be. That's yeah. really big. Well, actually, it's maybe not quite so big. It was actually 89%. Oh. Totally outdated. <laughs> <laughs> rounding it up <laughs> the uh we've got another question so given what you do as baker stewart and your team are, are there any drawbacks to prop tech solutions that you've seen out there there's been a lot of new solutions coming on market and having been bitten in the past with things like under desk sensors um and you know i think you 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 described as me vaporware yes. uh, i think that's the that's the big issue is trust um, solutions are getting a lot better. Uh, we're now actually seeing implementations. We're not being asked to be uh, the first, you know, the, the early adopter while they're still developing it. You're actually starting to see uh, mature solutions that have been tried and tested. But it is an incredibly fast-moving market, and some of the latest solutions are, in are incredibly good. You know, we're starting to see machine learning and AI coming into it. Yeah. Some, some really interesting solutions. Probably going to make me redundant, I probably, you know, in a few years. <laughs> hence hence why we're talking, Colin, always. <laughs> uh, we've got another one. Uh, what, is, what is the one thing that you would like to see within PropTech that isn't readily available at present? And I'm, this this doesn't need to be a physical a physical piece of equipment per se. It could be can be anything. Yeah, I mean, I would think we need. There's still an awful lot of prop tech that is focused on the data for data's sake. They are missing the so what. They're forgetting what the data is for. End of the day, I link everything back to customer experience, building user experience. At end of the day, that's what everybody in the real estate world we're here for. Facilities managers, whatever we might be end of the day we're there to provide spaces that help people do their job as best as they can that keep them happy keep them productive keep them loyal you know that's what we're here to do and i think some prop tech solutions are almost implementing solutions for solutions sake you know data for data sake it's about linking it through the so what so what is it actually you're trying to achieve what is the purpose of this I was on uh, I was on a, a GRI club event yesterday, and this was one of the topics of conversation. Actually, is the data is data. It's not good data unless you refine it like oil. But that's where that's where people people and companies like you come in because the sensor providers, the platform providers, the data in the platform, the visualizations and and understanding utilization versus capacity and peaks and troughs yeah. and all that sort of stuff you need people like you to help so so it's not always that there's there's data there some people need help to understand it and refine it to mm. to make it valuable you can do that in a platform but there's also yeah. other there's also other things that you can pull out of that data there is yeah. there is a lot of vaporware there i think because this industry is so young and i've lost the bet from my team that we would not run over because we do <laughs> we're already over and we haven't even got through all the questions but we'll keep going colin uh there are a lot of this. This is so big and growing. This industry. There are a lot of companies that are. They're all young and they're trying to get in and, and figure out how to make a buck. 
that that they're selling the solution before they have the product. But once yeah. you have the product, yeah. it, it's it is it is the so what that is that is the important part that comes mm -hmm. after. Here's my cool shiny product. What's the, here's the so what? What what about the data? So yeah, someone once described it as the mom test. If you go to your mum with a good idea, she's going to say, "Oh yes, dear, that's lovely. What a great idea." You need to actually listen to your user and what does the user want? Yeah. Very true. Very true. So uh, can you give any examples of clients who have used PropTech with considerable success? Um, I, I know, Michael, you've got a lot here, but there's obviously that one large financial institution we worked on together. Yes. Um, it's considerable savings. We were able to uh, use the data to negotiate with building control and get much greater allocation of staff to the building save yeah. them um, from taking on additional leases in the building, yes. allow them to manage the workspace much more dynamically, reallocate people and direct people to different floors depending on utilisation levels. Uh, and yeah, it was about informed decision making. They were about to take additional floors. The data showed, demonstrated them they didn't need it. They just needed a cultural shift. I, I didn't report that in as a loaded question, I promise you, everybody. Uh, but it, it is one that we did work on together. Yeah. Uh, so this is goes back to something you said earlier. Another question in is, how will PropTech impact on the way in which future officers function? Um, I think, well, fundamentally, um, for me, I think, they, well, it's, there's three levels that PropTech will have an impact. There's obviously the real-time data, uh, and that comes back to user experience. How, how can we use that real-time data to, to fix, to make the environment responsive to occupancy levels, to make the environment responsive to CO2 levels, so the FM becomes proactive FM rather than reactive, so we're fixing faults before the user notices them. Um, using it, you know, bringing in messaging, combined user experience apps that bring the, the data together with messaging platforms, desk booking, meeting room booking. Make it, you asked me earlier about where, what I'd like to see. I'd like to see some combined solutions that are around that user experience that use the data, but also provide the interface and the um, experience for users to use the building in an, you know, an easy way. Um, there's obviously... Secondly, using that data to drive um, real estate management of the building, to drive your facilities management, dr you know, drive your cleaning, make your cleaning much more reactive, you know, make it reactive to where it's needed so that you can actually respond and change your service levels depending on occupancy levels. Um, and finally, you know, where the gold's buried for me is the trend data. Having a rich long-term data set across multiple buildings, benchmark data as well, that we can use to have the conversations with teams about what sort of workspaces they need, to have those informed conversations and make informed decisions about how we get best use of real estate and how real estate really delivers what the business needs. I, I think, and I say this to people in my business and people we speak to, I think that data set, is probably one of the most valuable if you're looking at the next three to five years if you've got sensors in four five six hundred buildings ourselves and then you've got all the other competitors of ours who've got four or five or six hundred buildings or however many we've all got you've then got a data set of building utilization that you've never had historically yeah. that data itself is hugely valuable 
that 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 that's a data set there that people would pay money to planners yeah. how much businesses you know let's take goldman sachs when they realize they probably don't need all that real estate and they say right what do we do planning our next building is there somewhere where we can go and get a data set from a building where you know or we've got five thousand people how is that space being used by other people that that's 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 a hugely valuable data set. No one has it yet, and, and no one in the world can say they have it yet. It, it, I agree with AI and machine learning, and over time that will help. But at the moment, there's not enough data in our space no. for people to make informed decisions or AI and machine learning to make informed decisions. It's a great buzzword. You yeah. know, data is the new oil is, is another buzz yeah. phrase. But, but AI and machine learning, it will happen over time. But that, that's a hugely valuable data set over time, I think. No, you're right. I mean, we've got, from all the manual utilization surveys we're doing, I've got 15 years worth of data we we're using that as much as we can but you're right it, it is still you know we have it by sector we can use it to a certain extent but you just need so much data and the, the more that we get and the more that is in the cloud that can be then be mined um yeah. and and then interpreted um yes. the better really we, we we have a customer and actually this is quite a cool use case that that came about from from a suggestion on site Measuring the capacity of people on floors was a back to COVID solution. They have restaurants and cafes. Number one was to make sure there wasn't any overcrowding for when people came back and they're still not back, but eventually when they come back in the cafeterias, but they have a massive restaurant on the top floor of the building. One of the things we worked out we could do apart from the overcrowding piece is talking to the, the chefs and the people in the kitchen if they have the data of knowing how many people have come out in and out of that restaurant Monday to Friday, they can order food based on people rather than just saying, we think we need X amount of chicken, yeah. X amount of potatoes and vegetables and everything else. So that, 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 that for a business, number one, it's saving costs. If we go back to the very bones of it, of saving costs. Number two, environmental factors. You're not wasting food. Yeah. Or then you're, you're, you know, you're not cooking as many chickens or cows or you know vegetables or whatever it might be for whoever it might be. So there's an energy saving there. And then there's there's just the team's time. Like you don't need to spend all of that time preparing lunch because you know at two o'clock it drops off a cliff and you can start to wind things down. But there's also the user experience side. Would yes. it be great if your building app, as well as having the, your desk booking data and all of that, shows you the queuing times so yes. I can choose when I go to the canteen. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, refined data, Colin, I call that refined data. Yeah, add to it the gym, yeah, the gym. Uh, is, is a treadmill available now? Oh, I'll go to the gym now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not, not sure, not sure how many people, well, I imagine there's lots of people that are going to buy gym passes again and then go back to the gym for a month and then, then they're not. And that, that is a, it's a good point. Where do you, where do you buy your gym pass? Is it, are you going to buy one at the local gym to your home or one at the local gym to where your office was? Uh, that's why you got to get pass that has multiple locations, Colin, yeah. and go wherever you want. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> Colin, thank you very much. We have run over. Apologies, everybody. Uh, but it's Colin, it's been a pleasure as always. I uh, enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, people, don't forget about our asset tracking competition. It is there to be won. Uh, the next episode of the PropTech Ramble uh, is with a gentleman called Matthew Marson. Uh, he is the Director of Manufacturing and Technology at Arcadis. Uh, so we, we look forward to that and having Matthew on. Uh, Colin, have a lovely afternoon. Thanks very much for coming. Take care. Thank you very much. Bye.